Let us pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes to what he would have for us today. Lord, we just thank you so much for this season where we're reminded of the gift of Jesus Christ as we receive him into our lives. And as we leave Christmas and walk into the epiphany season, Lord, and the revelation of him living for us, a life that we couldn't live ourselves. Lord, may through this very familiar story speak new truths that we need to know. And Lord, as we receive those new truths, may you be glorified in us as a people here at Christ Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The story is told that an angel showed up at the Ohio State University faculty meeting. You go Bucks. <laughs> well said, Dave. Thank you. Uh, until the, the angel showed up to the academic dean and said, because in return for your unselfish and exemplary behavior, the Lord will reward for you either infinite wealth, Beauty or wisdom? Choose one. And so there, surrounded by all the faculty, the academic dean started to ponder, and he didn't have to ponder long. He said, infinite wisdom. So the angel said, let it be done. Lightning, smoke, disappeared. Little halos over the academic dean. And all the people just sit there kind of awe. And then one of his colleagues goes, well... The academic dean said, should have chosen the money. (laughs) Wisdom, Dr. Packer says, is the power to see and the inclination to choose the best and highest goal together with the surest means of attaining it. Because our beauty is fleeting and our wealth we can't take with us. Wisdom we never let go, and we possess into eternity. And today being the 12th Sunday of Christmas, and tomorrow being the Feast of the Epiphany, where we celebrate for the next six weeks, beyond that, just Jesus revealing himself over and over and living a life that we couldn't live, like I mentioned earlier. And what's happening in Luke's gospel, unlike... uh, Matthew's gospel, unlike Luke's, where in Luke's gospel, you have the shepherds running to the manger. In Matthew, you have the wise men coming right after the birth to Bethlehem. Two, three years later, we're not sure. And what this means for us as followers in 2020 of Jesus is crucial for us in making him Lord and centering our lives on Jesus Christ throughout this year in a healthy way. And what we discover in this passage, it has clearly something to do with worship. Which is ultimately the message of the whole Bible. <laughs> Genesis 1, we have worship. Revelation 22, there's worship. Genesis 1, you have God creating everything, and commanded it and brought it into being, and made us his highest creation in revelation 22 all of creation and heaven on earth will bust out and worship and praise and here in matthew 
Matthew records the same, but the difference in Matthew is that they're worshiping a child. So in Matthew, and this worship is directed toward Jesus. And you might say to yourself, so? I've heard that before. Well, that's because you've been in the church. <laughs> All right? Anybody reading this in the first century would have read this and said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Falling down and worshiping a child? You were to worship God and God alone. Jesus says that a couple chapters later in Matthew 4. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. But here, Jesus is being worshiped. When you compare the Gospels, for example, Mark records Jesus being worshiped once. Matthew records Jesus being worshiped ten different times. So it's, it's a point that Matthew wants to bring out for us. You know, even you get to the end of the Gospel of Matthew and the, when he's given the Great Commission, they are worshiping him. This would have been a scandalous to read in the first century because they believed that Jesus, many people believed Jesus was just a human being. Seems that that really hasn't changed much, has it? Matthew is making that point. Jesus is not merely human. He is God with us, and we're worshiping him. It's the key to living the life that makes Jesus Lord. It's the life that centers itself on Jesus Christ. Jesus is the object of our worship. And here's another point Matthew is making, is really the people who are doing the worship. Who are these people? We call them wise men. Well, that's a translation from the Greek, which is magi, which means magicians, astrologers, sorcerers, astronomers. They're the least likely candidates to worship, and they get it right. And Matthew is making a point for the reader and the listener. You may have been involved with magic, sorcery, astrology. You may have committed all kinds of sins and evil. And when you hear of basic Christian doctrine and behavior, you might cringe. But the reality is he brings those people close to him. And when they discover him, they worship. So what does it mean for us to call ourselves Christian? What does it mean to have Jesus as Lord of our lives, as the center of our lives as we're walking into 2020? Well, we learn through these wise men what that means and how to do it. And what makes them wise is not that they're magi. What makes them wise is first, they follow the evidence that's been revealed to them. Verse 2. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. In other words, they were willing to put their worldview paradigm to the side for a moment and investigate what's being, what they're clearly observing. They're following the evidence. They studied it. They had an open mind. They researched it. And they drew some conclusions from what they saw. 
And we don't know what they saw. It's described as a great star. It could have been the convergence of Jupiter and Saturn, which actually happened sometime around year zero, so year one. Uh, maybe. Maybe it was a supernova. I don't know what a supernova is, but that's what they say it might have been. Um, the Shekinah glory of God, beautifully manufactured by the, the, the Lord <laughs> so that they could see it unmistakably. We, we don't know what this star exactly was. We just know it was a great phenomenon in the sky. And these guys noticed it. And they followed it. And if we, like they, want to be touched with reality, we too need to have an open mind that we don't set the agenda for our walk with Jesus Christ. He sets the agenda for us and follow that evidence. C.S. Lewis says, what gives you the right to tell anyone you ought to do something? Where does oughtness come from? If I have it in my mind that I need to murder someone to get my way, who are you to say that I ought not to do it? I think I ought to. It's just one man's word against another, says Lewis. Lewis says there's a universal ought, a universal God who is universally given human beings his image, though flawed, though fallen, we are all created in his image. And we pick up on that evidence. And we follow that evidence where it leads us. The natural law will lead us somewhere. And ultimately it leads us to Bethlehem. My friends, when you have an open mind like this and you start to follow the evidence of just general revelation and the natural discussion, just remember there will always be opposition. There will always be people who mock you, make fun of you, and oppose you. You know, look at, look at King Herod in verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. <laughs> really? <laughs> he was concerned a few verses earlier, and all Jerusalem with him. They didn't want political upheaval. And he will oppose anybody. He killed his own kid. He was vicious and sinister. And these wise men, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have a prophet. They followed the evidence that was clear before them. So general revelation and creation is a good starting point. It's not a finishing point, but it's a starting point. You know what you felt when you stood at the Grand Canyon. You know what you felt when you stood in the Rocky Mountains, the Grand Tetons in Wyoming. You know what you felt when you stood and you seen the beautiful blue Caribbean water. You see it when you see the sunset on Lake Erie in July and August. There's a whole scientific community called intelligent design that have honestly academically without the bible just said there is too much order for there not to be a grand designer there's an intelligence behind it and they have faced great opposition in academia because this will take you somewhere <laughs> when you follow the evidence it's going to take you somewhere 
And what we learn here is the one who is wise is willing to put their prepackaged paradigm to the side. Follow the evidence. They don't ignore or scorn realities that don't fit his or her paradigm. So they followed the evidence, and along the way, they asked honest questions. May we do the same? All right? That's first. Secondly, we listen to God's word. They arrive there in Jerusalem. They ask their question, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? And so as they go away, Herod asks his chief priests and scribes, hey, he doesn't know and he doesn't care. He just wants to squash this uh, potential rival. Where is Messiah to be born? And the chief priests and scribes go, well, that's easy. Micah 5, 2, verse 6. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And these wise men listened to that word and departed to Bethlehem. They didn't know Old Testament prophecy. They didn't know who Micah was. They just simply listened to the word of God and obeyed it. We need to listen to the word of God and obey it. Jesus himself said in John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. And my father will love him, he will come to him, and we will make our home with him. See, a wise person hears the word of God and obeys. A foolish person listens to the word of God and does whatever they want. So how does this apply to us? Well, let's go back to Sunday school. Let's go back to elementary school for a second, okay? You have to read it for yourself. You will not grow in your relationship with the Lord unless you're reading the Bible for yourself, all right? So I want to encourage you. Jesus said in John 15, 7, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish. See, it's not about a checklist, I'm giving you all these resources, and I'm going to suggest one here in a few minutes. You know, it's not about the checklist. It's not checking out the box. It's about developing your relationship with the living God who loves you this way. Right? It's a personal relationship through the Word, and that won't happen if you don't enter into His Word. So may I make a suggestion? Okay? Tomorrow morning, if you've struggled with this discipline, this, this thing, take 30 seconds. Start off with your Bible. Everybody has a Bible, right? I recommend the ESV, the official Bible of the Anglican Church of North, North America. All right? It's got headings there for each part of the passage. Just read Matthew. Let's start with Matthew, shall we? Okay? And take just a segment, a unit. They're already divided for you. You can see it, the visit of the wise men. All right, take 30 seconds first, silence before the Lord. Deep breath, breathe out, put your timer on. You're going to have to, because we're not used to quiet. And ask the Lord, Lord, show me your glory. Show me who you are. And then read just 
one thought unit. One thought unit. For example, today's lesson is a thought unit. Right? And ask, you've just asked him to show you your glory. What jumps out at you? What do you, what do you notice? And then when you notice it, you pull out your journal. Go to Barnes & Noble. You can order them on Amazon. It's a leather journal. They feel wonderful. You know? It just feels great. You know? I got my Bible reading plan in my journal. All right? And whatever he says to me, I write it down with a Palomino black wing pencil. If you've ever received a note from me, I f- forgive me. My handwriting is awful. I know. I do my best. Even I can read my writing with a Palomino black wing pencil. Yeah. So I write it down because if the God of the universe is speaking to you through his word. It's worth writing down. And you remember what he wrote later on in the day because you've written it down. Kimmy is teaching our kids uh, through the Gospel Coalition uh, Gospel Project that we do with KidCat to ask themselves five questions when they read the Bible. What does it say about God? What does it say about me? Is there a command to obey? Is there a promise to, to walk in confidently? And five, what do I do? What's my next step? How do I live on mission in light of what you've... Write that down. Write all that down. Write what you've written, you know, what you've learned, and then write, Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I live this out today for your greater glory? And if you're, if you're struggling with those types of things, you read something, because eh, the Bible would do that. Right? Sometimes you read it, what does that mean? I encourage you to get a devotional commentary of some kind. Our Daily Bread is a great one. It's a devotional little commentary on different passages every day. It bounces around the Bible, but it's good. It's faithful. It's doctrinally sound. You know, if you're walking through Matthew, may I suggest, my boy, and I do call him my boy, when I'm walking in eternity, I'm going to walk next to my man, J.C. Ryle, Anglican bishop, first protestant bishop of liverpool and he he, some of this sermon is echoing bishop ryle he wrote this for families it's not for academics he was very clear and plain spoken because he wanted the person working in the steel mill to understand it and he did a beautiful job. So that's just an idea. They, they, you just go to Amazon, ChristianBook.com. There's all kind of devotional commentaries for where you are that will help you understand it better. And then maybe once a week, once a week, when you have a little time, perhaps on a Sunday, it's the Lord's Day, you can chill out this afternoon a little bit. Maybe, you know, there was something that was there today that kind of interest you if you haven't bought one yet oh you got to get this all right english standard version study bible do not bring this to church this is like working out you know but i encourage you you open up just the study notes in here are absolute gold and just a little editorial in the back there are articles that they've written for ex- that, are, that are meaningful for us. Biblical doctrine, an overview. How to read the Bible. Interpreting the Bible. 
These, these articles are worth the price of the Bible itself. Get yourself a good study Bible. If you don't like the ESV, there's all kinds of the NIV study Bible. They're all great. But get yourself one and dive in. Dive in. Maybe take eight books of the Bible this year that you're going to read completely through, cover to cover of that one particular book, and get to know it better. Whatever it might be. Come be part of a little church group. We'll talk about that during announcements. But the reality is, my friends, it's hard. The Christian life is hard. It's going to take some work. When you learn trigonometry, you had to work at it. Right? Calculus. Physics, unless you're one of those engineering types. I don't understand you guys, but I love you. You know? How can you love physics? You know? But it's, it's, it's cool. German. Just learning German. You had to work at it. Math. History. You had to memorize dates and times and cultures. Geography. <sighs> the Bible will be that at times. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take some work. All right? Just own it. I'm exhorting here. Okay? In love. My friends, it's so worth it to understand Moses, to understand Peter and Paul and what Matthew's trying to convey, which is the last point. People who are wise follow the evidence, listen to the word of God and obey, and last, they fall down and worship. Verse 11 and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. They brought gifts to worship him. For they knew that God is not served by human hands. That's Acts 17, 25. The gifts of the wise men are not give to, given to assist Jesus. That would have been seen as a royal care package. <laughs> you don't give kings royal care packages as if they need something. Nor is this a bribe. Deuteronomy 10, 17 says that God takes no bribe. Gifts given to self-sufficient, wealthy people um, echo and intensify the giver's desire to show how wonderful the person is. In a sense, giving the gifts to Jesus are, are like fasting. Going without something to show that Christ is more valuable than, your, than the thing you're going without. When you give a gift to Jesus like this, it's a way of saying the joy that I pursue. Notice verse 10, they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. The joy that I pursue is not the hope of getting rich by bartering with you or negotiating a payment. I've not come to you, Lord Jesus, for your things, but for you. The desire I now intensify, demonstrate by giving up 
things in the hope of enjoying you more, not those things. By giving to you what you do not need, but that which I enjoy, I'm saying more earnestly and more authentically, you are my treasure, Lord Jesus, not these things. I think that's what it means to worship God with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh or whatever else we may think we're giving to God. And by the way, we don't know that there were three kings, okay? I don't want to ruin our opening epiphany hymn for you, but uh, we don't know how many there were. People say, well, there were three gifts. Must have been one per giver. I said, well, there have been Christmases where Kimmy's given me more than three gifts. Right? Okay? So we, we, don't, we don't know. We just don't know. I hope that doesn't ruin it for you. But the reality is it's not how many wise men there were. It's what was their heart. And they came and they worshiped. Because it's Jesus. It's God in the flesh, and they recognize that. So above all your resolutions this year, I talked to several people, <laughs> most of us, we don't make resolutions. We just kind of make goals to, to, to walk in the realities. That's good. That's good. You know, resolutions, most of them are broken by now anyway, right? But above all, let's worship Jesus together which is Matthew's major point <laughs> in this biography of his. And what a great Sunday to be here. It's the opportunity of a lifetime to follow the evidence that's before us, to listen to his word, to walk in the reality of this word, and to bow down and worship Jesus, the King. Malcolm Muggeridge said it best. At 85 years old, he wrote his last book. And he said, it's a little macabre. It's a little dark, I get it, but I want you to imagine yourself standing at your graveside, and you see your name on the stone, Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Okay, that's what frightens Scrooge. There's your name. What does that say to the world? He said, may we be seekers of God. There's no higher goal than we can have to know him and to seek him and to love him. That's wisdom. My friends, we seek Jesus because he sought us. He, he loved us to come and be with us. We're never abandoned. He didn't say life would be easy. He didn't say it'd be free from pain. The Bible never says that. And he is with us through it and in it and for us in it. And then he went, and that's what we talk about all epiphany, is that he went and he lived the perfect life on our behalf and died the death that we deserve to die so that we have a fulfilling life in the present and a joyful, and we live in his presence for eternity. That's a life full of wisdom. That's what we all get. So let's, in 2020, Look at the evidence and ask the questions. Let's read the word together. Another reading plan as you're leaving today is my personal favorite. It's a table talk plan. You know, I follow it. It just works for me. I've done the daily office twice. 
meh. That's me. Some of you love it. Some of you, it really helps. Great. Do it. I don't care. Just read the Bible with me. Okay? It's so exciting. And then as we do and we walk in the reality of it, let's worship his majesty. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd awaken in us a desire for yourself. May we say in our hearts, Lord Jesus, you are our king, our Messiah, and all nations will come and worship and bow down before you. Whatever, as we walk in these realities, Lord Jesus, whatever opposition we may find, we joyfully ascribe authority, dignity, and we fall down and we worship you. And we bring our gifts to say that you and you alone can satisfy our hearts. Not holding on to our stuff. And we ask you to fill us, Holy Spirit, to be wise people, to follow the evidence, to ask questions along the way, to dive into your word, and to worship Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.